Welcome to the Family Life Church Podcast. We hope you're blessed and encouraged to share this with someone you know. Subscribe or visit thefamilylife.org for more information. Genesis 11, verse 26 through 32, it says, And Terah lived 70 years and begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran begat Lot. And Haran died before his father Terah in the land of his nativity in Ur of the Chaldeans. And Abram and Nahor took them wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai. The name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and the father of Iscah. But Sarai was barren. She had no child. And Terah took Abram his son and Lot the son of Haran his son's son and Sarai his daughter-in-law, his son Abraham's wife, and they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. Notice, it says they went forth to go into. And they came unto Haran and dwelt there. And the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. For a few moments out of the word of the Lord, I'd like to speak to you, focusing on the last part of verse 31 on this subject, on the road to Canaan. On the road to Canaan. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, today, by the authority of your word, the power of your blood, the sovereignty of your spirit, do what only you can do in this place. We will be careful to give you glory and honor, for it all belongs unto you. Bless us both to speak and to hear, and anoint our minds that we might be used as vessels for your purpose today. Fill this place with your presence, even according to the promises of your word. And we will be grateful, and we will give you honor, we will give you glory, for it all belongs unto you. In Jesus' name, everybody say in Jesus' name. You may be seated. And they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. And they came unto Haran and dwelt there. And the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. The scripture here that we've read um, is one of the scriptures that deals with this man named Terah. And Terah, of course, we know him best for being the father of Abraham. But of course, because I'm preaching about him today, I, you would think, I think, he's a rather important figure to sort of understand and study um, in the scripture. Scripture doesn't say a lot else about Terah. Uh, in Joshua 24, verse 2, we find out that Terah was uh, idolaters. What the Bible says, says that he worshipped other gods in the lands of the Chaldeans. In First Chronicles 1 and 17, it talks about the generations that came from Shem, and it does something quite interesting in this text. You can read it in another time, but uh, it, it basically lists out all of this generations upon generations, but it does it in orders of three. 
And it says, you know, so-and-so had so many children and so many children and so on. And of each of them, there was always one selected. And so uh, we read about Terah realizing here in that scripture that the Lord calls many but few are chosen. And in Acts chapter 7, verse 4, uh, when, when Stephen is giving his great um, and powerful sermon, he speaks of Terah, I guess implicitly, in saying simply that Abraham's father died before Abraham was called. But of all of the things that we know about Terah, it's verse 31 of our current passage that interests me the most, and because you are now, you know, the audience, and I have the microphone, it interests you the most as well. Tara was on his way to Canaan. What we know about Tara is basically that he left where he was, and he had a clear destination in mind. I don't know why he left Ur of the Chaldees. All I do know for sure is that he was heading to Canaan. We spend so much time talking about, thinking about, meditating on, praying with others, encouraging one another on where we came from and where we're going to. I am so grateful, and every single one of you, I hope, is as well, that I'm not where I came from, that I'm not today where I started. Hallelujah. Ah, I wish, you know, sometimes that we could just flash up on the screen some of our true testimonies, you know, that you could really see the miry clay that God brought me out of. But I'm also not where I'm going. And in between there and there, there's peril. And we often don't speak about that in-between time. That time where you've departed from where you once were, but you haven't yet got to where you set out to be. This is where Tara finds himself. He finds himself long way from where he started, but not yet at his destiny. He's done a lot of good, but greatness is still on the horizon. It's in the in-between time, though, that so many of us turn back, give up, or just settle before we make it to where we're going. What things might have awaited Terah in Canaan? What new chapters? What new blessings? What new opportunities? We will never know because Terah stopped on the road to Canaan. Now, why did Terah stop his journey? Well, the scripture's silent. But maybe just maybe he was weighed down by all the stuff he took. <laughs> Scriptures make it clear after he dies, it says in chapter 13, verse 2, that Abram 
was very rich in cattle, silver, and gold, which stands to reason then that Terah probably was very rich and maybe very, very rich. And get the picture, you see, he left Ur of the Chaldees with everything he had. And it's very difficult to move with efficacy and efficiency and speed when you got to take care of all of the things around you. We too can get so easily bogged down and burdened by the yokes and the weights of this world. The yokes of this world have a tendency to push down on us. We add and we add and we add and we want and we want and we want and we get more and more and more. But what you find is that in all of your getting, there's a lot of responsibility. And in all of your getting, there's a lot of stress. And in all of your getting, there's a weight that's keeping us from the thing that God has called us to. God help us not to be so heavenly, so heavily laden with the burdens of this world. You know you can only get caught up once. And when the great catching up happens, we will either be caught up in this world or we will find ourselves caught up with the saints of God and those that have died in Christ and to be with Christ forevermore. And I'm telling you today that the Lord is coming soon imminently any moment now you could be walking maybe to Kroger maybe just leaving the service today and as you take that step one of your feet is going to catch upon the sky and you will rise up to be with the Lord forevermore oh what a glorious day Woo! Anybody looking forward to that great catching away it's going to come as a twinkling of the eye hallelujah <laughs> they told me in a, in a homiletics class <laughs> that, that if I had nothing to preach about, that I should just say Jesus is coming. <laughs> uh, and I, we've relegated that message to the back burner of our sermons, but it is the central message that we must be preaching that the same way that he's gone up, he's going to come again. Amen. So Jesus said, that we should take upon us his yoke. He said that we should take upon us his burden. He said that his yoke was easy and his burden is light. Contrasted with the yokes of the world that weigh you down while you're trying to climb the mountaintops. Ah, you're like that camel that's trying to go through the eye of the needle. You got to take everything off and get on your knees and unload and unload and unload. Oh, I've been praying, Lord Jesus, help Help me to stay in a state totally ready, available for you all the time. You know, I'm tired. I'm speaking myself. I'm tired of having to spend so much time in the outer courts, hallelujah, of the sanctuary before I can get into the holies of holies. 
spending so much time in burnt offering and so much time in repentance and so much time in saying, Lord, I'm sorry. I don't pray like I ought to. I don't fast like I ought to. I don't, you know, read like I ought to. Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And by the time I'm done, everybody's left. (laughs) I want to be unloaded, unburdened, ready for service. Isaiah said, send me, Lord. I'll go. What you need to realize is God is less interested in your abilities as he is interested in your availability. But we have filled our calendars up with so much that when God would use us and when God would start a revival and when God would speak a word, we're busy. So maybe, maybe he just had too much. You know, we don't get more so that we can have more. We get more so we can give more. Mm. We live in such a time where our interconnectedness as a human species is clearer than ever. COVID taught us that, right? (laughs) We're all together in this, you know. And at the same time, We have the greatest ability we've ever had to be in touch with people around the world. And at the same time, you have a world that is crying out for Jesus. The world is desperate to see Jesus. The song of this world and this generation is, men and brethren, we would see Jesus. So where is the church that will say, we will show you Jesus? Hallelujah. You want to be great? Wonderful. Jesus wants you to be great too, but he said the greatest amongst us shall be what? Servants. So you want to be great? Great. All of you should be great. The way you become great is serving. The most precious and pressing and urgent question of this time is what are we doing for others? And all of our getting, make sure that we're focused on the things that Jesus has before us. So are we like Tara, leaving Ur of the Chaldees with so much weight? Or are we available and ready to serve the Lord? On the same vein, maybe it wasn't that he was so weighted down. Maybe it was just that he got distracted. Distractions even momentarily, can have life-altering effects. Think, for example, about driving a car. A recent study from the Ohio State University found that distracted drivers are three times more likely to result in serious harm or injury than any other cause of accident. So the most common cause of distracted driving is what? Our phones. It says here, according to the National Safety Council, that texting alone leads to 1.6 million crashes in the United States every single year. And did you know, young people, this is true of everybody, but I'll pick on you for a second, that the average American spends five and three-fourths of an hour on their phones every day? So if you lived to be 70, you would have spent 16 cumulative years on your phone. 
I did not misspeak. It is so easy for us to get distracted. Even in the midst of so much else going on. And it's funny, even right now, I shouldn't have mentioned phones because especially some of you are feeling like the buzzing in your pocket. Your phone may not even be buzzing, but you're feeling it. You know, phantom rings. (laughs) Urgent need to check something out right now. (laughs) But, But in a moment in time, we can be distracted and miss the whole move of God. Isn't it amazing that I started off by saying that I was the only thing between you and Red Lobster? And some of you have all spent this entire service thinking about their crunchy, lovely, gooey biscuits. And God would speak a word to you, but you know, distracted. (laughs) God would move on your behalf, but you know, distracted. Now let's think about this. People have five hours a day to be on their phone, and we don't have time for prayer. Distracted. Pastor said we're going to pray for two hours. Everybody's like, I can show up for five minutes. Distracted. Lord, help us not to be distracted. I stand to remind you, as I did earlier in the message, that Jesus is going to come like a thief in the night. It says the two will be walking, one taken, the other stay behind. Tell the person next to you, say, it's going to be me. (laughs) We can't be distracted. We have to keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Let me tell you that what he started, he will finish. But he's coming for a church that's looking for his coming. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The enemy would love to have your attention veer from the one who's called you and chosen you and set you on your path and purpose. But we must not look to the right or to the left, but straight forward toward the calling and the plan of Christ. We reach toward those things. So, So maybe Tara just found something else to do. And before he knew it, his whole life had passed by. God bless you. I'm so glad this was perfect. It proved my point. I'm I'm joking. (laughs) I'm joking. I'm joking. Or maybe, maybe Tara was deceived. Hmm? Maybe Tara was led to believe that where he had arrived was Canaan. Maybe Tara felt like or somebody told him that everything that he was doing wasn't worth it or that it didn't take all that. The purpose of God does not take all that. And he stopped because he was convinced that where he was going maybe wasn't worth it. Maybe Tara was deceived. You know, the worst type of deception is the deception that we do to ourselves. Because what if Tara had arrived in a place called Haran, and he himself, because we do this, he put up a sign, says, welcome to Canaan. (laughs) And convinces himself that where he is, is Canaan. That what he's doing is right. 
You know you can find justification for anything you want justification for. All you got to do is look for it and be sure to not look at things that would disagree with you. It's kind of like when I want advice, you know, I figure out who's going to agree with me and ask them first. So when, I, so when I finally go to pastor, I say, pastor, you know, I've spoken with everybody and they say, so, you know, I did it already. Can you bless it, please? <laughs> we have to be sure that we're not being deceived. We live in a time when deception is rife. We are constantly being deceived and by everything. And I, I'm not, don't put your tinfoil hats on, but the point is that there seems to be deception on every corner. One day is this, the next day is the other, and, you know, maybe, maybe Tara just got discouraged. Isn't it interesting that in the in-between times, you've seen the victory at the end, you've had the victory that lets you leave, but you never saw all of the battles you'd fight in between. Do I have a witness? You didn't see that after you came out of that baptismal tank that there were spiritual battles to fight. You didn't see that, that, that the steps you had to take to get to where you're going went through the valley where the shadow of death is. Because had you have seen it, maybe you wouldn't have gone. But I think it's so interesting how frequently we set up camp in the valley of the shadow of death. We find ourselves going through hell as it were. I say, well, God bless you, don't stay there. You are not destined to be staying in that valley. Let me say it again, you are not destined for that valley. I know you feel broken and discouraged and hard and every sign around you says there's no hope. But let me tell you that we have a hope that is tied to that which goes behind the veil. We have a hope that is unshakable and unmovable. We have a hope and his name is Jesus. You can't give up now. If you're going through the valley of the shadow of death, what do you do? Be like David. Keep on walking. I'm here to tell somebody. I know there's someone who needs to hear this. That where you are right now, you must keep going. Hallelujah. You don't have to take 27 steps. Take one little step. Keep moving. Keep pressing. Suddenly you're going to find some momentum. And ultimately you're going to find yourself outside of that valley. Hallelujah. Darkness can't last forever. Hallelujah. I don't know. Today is raining. Uh, could you imagine if we were uncertain that the sun would ever shine again? But it will. I don't know when, but it will. I can guarantee it. And when that sun rises, brand new mercies I'll see. Hallelujah. I hope somebody can understand that your help is on its way. Hallelujah. Mm. 